When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello. Hello. Here we go. It's the Copy Podcast. What is happening, everyone? Welcome back to the Copy Podcast. It's Mick, and I'm absolutely made up to say that I'm joined by an actual Liverpool football club legend today. It is, of course, Jamie Carragher. Cara, how's it going? It's going well, mate. Thanks for having me, mate. No worries. Take two after the uh, the false start there, but we got we go again. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking yeah, hell! Yeah, don't come. we got there in the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how's things with you anyway? How's it? How's how's life and all that? Good, mate. Just got back from a nice holiday away, so we're quite busy with the games as players are, but obviously we're, we're covering them for the TV. So got a few games in over the Christmas New Year, and was uh, allowed a little weekend off uh, from Sky, and uh, ready to go back again. Nice, nice. But uh, yeah, just because, I mean, we haven't, I mean, I could probably spend about three days with you doing, just tune your ear off about all kinds of stuff, but mm-hmm. I'm going to keep it as short as we can. But I just thought we'd do like a, basically like a crash course crash course in Jamie Carragher, which is like, um, I just thought we'd start with your, with your playing days, really, because obviously one man club, 737 games, five goals, 19 assists. There's too many, like, too many good stuff to mention, too, mu- too many topics to go through. So I just thought we'd do like a like a top three type thing. So, um, yeah. and just to start with, so like top three moments or games, and what what would you what would you pick and why? Ooh. Istanbul obviously would, would be number one. Uh, I've never been asked that before. Games or moments? I would have to put my debut in there, scoring on my debut at eighteen in front of the cop. That would have to be in me. My top three moments. So Istanbul, that one. Uh, I'd probably say the Champions League semi-final around to Chelsea in two thousand and five. Just it was it was just probably the best game I've ever played in at Anfield. It's the biggest game you can play in, really. In some ways, we were never in a, in a title decider, really. Uh, so to play a Champions League semi-final at home against Chelsea, the one nil, the way the game went. So 
Yeah, I would, I would go with a Champions League final, debut at 18, and Chelsea semi-final 2005. Pff, fucking hell, that's some, some trio that, fucking hell. <laughs> just, just on the Chelsea, <laughs> the Chelsea one quickly, like, just that, like, that might be one of the best atmospheres, I, I mean, ever. Like, that was just, like, it was proper federal in the ground, obviously, the Chelsea-Liverpool stuff, the way that we got the goal... Um, what what's it like just to be in like to be in around that that amount of noise? Like, what, I don't, I mean, how can you describe it? It must be amazing. It, it's it's special, and we're lucky because we almost get used to it and take it for granted. No, the clubs don't have that. And the Chelsea lads used to speak about that game afterwards. You know, the noise was just incredible, and uh, it was our interval from the sixties, Saint Etienne from the seventies. The you know the teams Barcelona game that they had a couple of years ago. That was our one. Certainly the first one against Chelsea. And uh, it was one of the few games it felt like there was an atmosphere in the warm-up. You know, yeah. normally the atmosphere gets going when you'll never walk alone. But it was that big a game. The fact that it was Chelsea, everyone wanted to get in there early. And yeah, the atmosphere was uh, it was definite. Yeah. And I mean, we haven't... The other ones you can mention, like 2001, which is like, I mean, that's just another another three hours on itself, and it like the the fact that <laughs> we did that, and yeah, I mean, I was only what was I then? Twelve? I was only twelve, 2001. So it was like my like getting used to like how I mean Liverpool maybe before that weren't as good, but that season was just yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. that that was one for a lot of younger fans because as you said, the nineties in terms of trophies weren't great, so you. You'd almost had a new generation of supporters who weren't used to the 70s or the 80s, probably like yourself. And that was the first sort of that season, 2001. And I think that season, you know, Michael Owen getting those goals in the cup final was, you know, before Istanbul come along, that was a moment everyone was talking about for such a long time. You know, that feeling in the stadium, the millennium. And to be honest, I don't think we get enough credit as a team for that whole decade almost from 2000 to 2009. You know, you think of, you know, the treble 2001, Champions League quarterfinal, the first time we'd ever been in it, in 2002. 2003, we beat Man United in a cup final. 2004 was a bit of a write-off. But 05, we win the, the Champions League and the Super Cup. Uh, 06, we get the FA Cup. 07, the Champions League final. 08, semi-final Champions League. In 2009, that was the year we... I wouldn't say we should have won the league, but that was probably the best team I'd played in terms of the league. So, for a good 10-year period, considering the opposition we were up against of, you know, the invincible Arsenal team, Mourinho's Chelsea, Ferguson at United, I think we achieved quite a lot considering the 90s hadn't been a, a great decade for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you when you say it out loud like that, it, it is. there's quite a lot there, isn't he? I think it's like, obviously 2001's highlighted because the amount we won. And like you said before, that wasn't as good. But then, yeah, but in, in that gap there, there's quite a few massive games, massive moments. And um, Yeah, you, you would have liked to win more trophies, but we won quite yeah. a lot in that decade. I said the opposition was tough. And uh, you think about that sort of 10 years that we had. Well, that was obviously early age time and Benitez. And I don't think the actual decade itself probably gets enough credit. A little bit like 2001 in itself really because I think Istanbul comes a few years later, but you think of what we did and the big games we played in and the cup finals and, you know, getting to semi-finals and that. So we were, we were really competitive, I think, for a good 10 years there. So, yeah, it was, uh, that, was, that, was, that was my career, really. You know, I started just before that, finished just after it, but 
if I think of where I was at my best, it was in that decade. Yeah, I mean, you were a, one of the, the main fellas in that backline with the likes of Rainer and stuff. Just like, just I mean, like it's not that long ago, really. I'm not trying to make you feel older or whatever, but it's like it reminds me of being younger. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. the Reds, just like yeah, it just like re- massive characters and stuff. And I mean, we're blessed with like quite a few leaders in the team now. But I mean, we could do with a maybe someone like yourself who's just gonna absolutely slice someone in half and just get the crowd going. We could do with a, we could do with a bit of that to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, you, you can't get away with it as much now. So <laughs> I know. Milner does that every game, doesn't he? Milner just comes out and gets a yellow card every time he comes on. Just takes someone out, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we could we, we do need a bit of that at the moment. But um, yeah, so just on to next one is top three players played with, which which might be a bit easier, I imagine. I would say uh, Stephen Gerrard, number one. Luis Suarez, number two. Number three. Hmm. I'm thinking, I mean, Torres was unbelievable, wasn't he, for a yeah. couple of years. I'm going to go with Sammy Appiah. I'm going to go with Sammy for his consistency, the fact he played alongside me, we had a great partnership. He was a great sign in terms of what he cost. And I just think his longevity over a, a Torres or a Michael Owen or an Alonso, someone like that, I will, I will go with Sammy Appiah. That's actually mad you've said that because I was going to do like a little quick fire like Twitter questions at the end. What yeah. I, I might as well ask you now because we're on it. Um, Stevie Kelly was wanted to ask you. Um, this is a quote from him, by the way. I've never heard him talk much about Big Sammy Hippie. I thought they were a brilliant pair, and Sammy to me is a legend. Love players like him, and that just get the club mm-hmm. and would run, run through brick walls uh, for the club. Um, so yeah, I mean, Hippier was just—I mean, especially like was he two two and a half million as well? Like crazy. yeah, two two and a half million, and I think he came in as a little bit of an unknown for even the players in the squad. And I even think for Gerard Ule and that he obviously watched him and, and thought he was a good player, but I don't think he thought he'd have the impact he had straight away. Yeah, and we had big problems defensively as a club there coming out of the the Roy Evans era, and uh, he came in and to start with he had a great partnership with Stefan Anshaw. I think for you know three or four seasons, and then it, it became me and Sammy sort of when uh, Rafa Benitez came in. So yeah, he, he was a great player, he was a great footballer. He was never injured, a uh, great leader as well. He obviously captain the club. He get your goals. Yeah, he was a he was a great player who I think was massively appreciated by Liverpool fans, but maybe not enough from outside the club in terms of maybe the whole Premier League because I think he was. He's fantastic consistency wise. He was unbelievable. Yeah, goals like like you said, goal against Arsenal, Champions League, like off the bar and goes in, like yeah. goal against Newcastle away at St James's, like just big towering headers that you just expect. He got the great one at Goodison as well. He did. He did. <laughs> yeah, what a guy. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, you mentioned Gerard there, so I just thought I'd ask you, like. Just on, like obviously management and whatever, leaving Villa. Um, saw some mad rumors on probably just shit Twitter rumors, like saying he might be getting the Poland job, which I imagine is just a, a load of shit. But where, where can where do you see uh, Stevie going next? Maybe I don't know. I think I think when you when you've tasted the Premier League, it's the best league in the world. That's where you want to be. I think on the back of probably losing his job at Villa, it's going to be, going to be difficult to get another Premier League job right now. 
so I would imagine could he do something that maybe Vincent Company's done at Burnley this season, where you know you, you get a, a top championship club or maybe someone who's come down from the Premier League who's you've got a realistic chance. You're thinking, you know, if you were there for a couple of seasons, you could get them up because you want to be in the Premier League. But the Poland one was a strange one. There must be something in it. I haven't actually spoke to Stevie about it. And the only thing I can think is probably the two jobs he'd love one day would be Liverpool which would be tough now on the back of what's happened to Villa and maybe England. And how would you get the England job? Well, if you've got international experience and, and you've managed in a tournament, that puts you in probably a better position than it does being a, a club manager. So you've got international experience. So that's the only thing I can think why you would be thinking about taking the Poland job, if if that is actually true. And uh, I'm sure all will be revealed in the next week or so. Oh, yeah, uh, I mean, it'd be interesting to see, like I said, because the done well at Rangers. Villa was like a, I mean, it was one of them where you obviously, as Liverpool fans watching from the outside, you want them to do well because you thought like you want them to be primed, ready for maybe when Jurgen leaves in twenty twenty six. That was the ideal, and obviously, it didn't maybe didn't work out completely the way. But I mean, if he if he then builds it back up by doing other other roles and doing well on them, then he's more than capable of. I mean that that's just a matter of time, isn't it? Do, do you think like Gerard being the manager of Liverpool, whether it's in the next five years or ten years, surely that's that's going to happen at some point? Do you think? I'm, I'm not so sure. I think I think you know the Liverpool job should be for who the right man is. It shouldn't be about you know just because you've played for the club. But I think if Stevie, along with other candidates, is sort of vying for that position, he's on the same level as them, or he, you know he, he he's in contention. I think the fact he's played for the club and he knows the club would swing it for him. I think we'd all agree with that. But I don't think any Liverpool fan, and, and I include Stevie, and that would he would want to get the job over a guy who was a lot more qualified than him or been a lot more successful in his, in his previous jobs. Because the most important thing is is Liverpool being successful. But nothing to please me more than see Steven Gerrard in the dugout. Oh, no, that would be... I mean, coming back and... I mean, yeah, you, could, you can get your dreams running away with you, like him coming back and winning the, winning the league after not doing it as a player mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, just be amazing. Uh, but yeah, just moving on then to um, top three played against. Oh, uh, I would say Thierry Henry. I think he was the best player in the Premier League. I, I played against Ronaldo and Messi, and I know they're the two, you know, best players we've seen over the last sort of ten years or so. But I wouldn't say they were amazing against us. Sometimes you, you, the player it's who, who, who maybe gives you problems yourself. So I played against them, but I wouldn't put them in it. Uh, I think that was like when you play. I mean, probably Cracker in that first yeah. half of the Champions League final. I mean, he was unbelievable. Like, what is going on here? Who's this fella? So I'd probably say him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the the pass that he, the pass in the Champions League final was just. I mean, no one can do anything about that. That's just pure no, no. pure wizardry, and. I'm just trying to think of one more. I just don't want to say one and then I think I've missed someone. Anyone you think watching against Liverpool, you thought, wow. I mean, I've wrote down Thierry Henry because he just used to, yeah. he was just a nightmare, weren't he? Yeah. <laughs> Henry, Kaka. I think he gives real problems. Uh, I mean, I mean, you could say drug, but I suppose, but um, yeah, I mean, over a it's long... It's funny people say that, right? I mean, he scored some good goals against us, but I always thought he defended well against Strogba and Chelsea. Yeah. You know, we got a lot of clean sheets. 
I had some of my best games against Chelsea, semi-finals I, and big league games. So yeah. I know people say that and don't get me wrong, he was a right handful. And you know that goal he scored against us at Stamford Bridge. But yeah, he was a, a top player. But I think there must, there must be someone who Yeah, I think the Drogba one is just that I think people just look back at that goal he scored, which was amazing. But yeah, I, I, I agree with it. Like on the whole, considering how much of a well, a lot, a lot beast. of the games were nil nil, weren't they? Yeah, nil, yeah, nil, exactly. Uh, oh, come on, <laughs> I just want to put someone in and think, oh, I should have said him. Yeah. Uh, so the Man United players, uh, it was Arsenal who used to give us most problems. I yeah. always felt not Chelsea or United. Uh. Is there anyone you like? I mean, like obviously playing a fullback. Is there anyone that you remember? Like, I mean, you probably that this probably didn't enter it even your mind. Like thinking, oh fucking hell, I've got to, I've got to mark this guy yeah. today, like being left back or whatever. Oh, I'm trying to think of someone. Oh, let's say Maldi. I mean, I played against Matt. I wasn't up against him, but let's. He's probably the greatest defender, isn't he? Yeah, I'll go with Maldini. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's probably hundreds of like top class players that you played against over the years. Like to be yeah. fair, um, but yeah, Thierry Henry, just what a guy. I mean, he was like, just because Arsenal was so good, like as a kid, he was like my like non LFC idol in a way, just because the mm. way the way you play footy, you made it look easy, didn't he? And like, obviously, you've got to work with him now more recently on um on a CBS. How how's that been? How's that been? Um, how is he? Is I, I love me football, but I think Thierry's on a level above me in terms of he watches. I watch a lot, but he watches everything, and his life is just football. He's desperate to be back in the game. He was assistant at Belgium. I think there's talk of him maybe being involved in trying to get the Belgium job, but I think he's desperate to go back into football and be a manager somewhere. He, he feels that he hasn't done himself justice up until now in the, in the two or three roles that he's had. So he's, uh, he's desperate to get back in. He loves it. And he watches everything, knows every score of every game all over Europe. So when we meet up on the Tuesday for the Champions League, he knows how every team we're covering that night have got on at the weekend, who scored, the players. So he's a, he's a great help on Champions League nights. I was going to say, have you ever got to have a quiz night? Just that you, you and Thierry, you'd be sorted. with the. Uh... Not a problem. Not a problem. I'd remember all the old stuff you can do now. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm like that. Like whenever we've had, I've done a few quizzes recently, and it's like, if it's like between like '99 and 2004, I'm fine. But like, like the bit you mentioned, if it's like 2007 to like 2012, it's like the you know the overlaps of players when you're trying to figure out which one. I, like, I always think I could name every FA Cup final from probably. 1970 or 66 or something, and I think and, and I can picture the cup final. I don't know who's won it and who played it, but once you get to sort of the 2000s, I don't know why. It just seems to like, well, maybe because the FA Cup maybe not as important in some people's eyes, I don't know, but they all just seem to morph into one. You're not sure if Arsenal won it that year or Chelsea or like, oh. It's just, uh, I can go through the 80s without even thinking, but once it gets past the 2000s, I don't know what it is. The FA Cup yeah. final, but no chance. <laughs> Yeah, it must be just because it's like, yeah, turn of a new um, century and whatever else, I don't know, yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's probably not as, not looked on as like, as prestigious as it yeah. was in terms of, it's just another trophy, isn't it now? I mean, it's still great yeah. to win it and obviously us winning it last year was amazing, 
for the first time and and quite oh, a, a long. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's hard to sometimes hard to pinpoint, isn't it? Um... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. But yeah, I just thought we'd move on then a little bit to, like, I just mentioned the TV work you you, you do with, like, Thierry on CBS and stuff. Um, But I was just having a look about when you joined sky sports and apparently it was the second of may 2013 so you nearly you nearly touching your um 10 year anniversary there on on sky which is yeah that, that's it, by, hasn't it yeah it goes fast it does just it sees just roll into the next and, that, and that's what i wanted to be in some ways I, I, I like my life being fast and involved in things and got my mind on things and not just looking back at you know my life or my cream still a young lad so but yeah, I love the job. I'm lucky in that I think I'm on the in the best place to be. Monday night football, Sky Sports, we have all the best games. So yeah, it's gone it's gone really well and hopefully we'll another ten more to come. Yeah, because I mean I think Monday night footy, I think even when players get an interview, they always say like Monday night footy is like one of the one of the best shows you can watch just because of the analysis and whatever. But how, how much I mean, I know you do loads of like rehearsals and stuff, but how long does it take, like, to get that, like, down to a to to the to the fine art that it is? Uh, I mean, I think it helps that you know the chemistry within the studio as well. And myself, Gary, Dave, we had Ed Chamberlain before that. I think we've done the show that long now that there's probably probably a little bit less preparation needed because we just you're almost an autopilot. But I mean, I've been away for I've been on holiday for a week. I've seen all the football while I was away. But I was making notes last night for like Monday Night Football and it's not for another week. You know, so even like last night because of the jet lag and time difference, I couldn't sleep. So I got up at like two in the morning, watched Match of the Day 2 that I taped and then uh, just started making notes for Monday Night Football for next week, little ideas that I had. So we, we, we always throw a lot of ideas into the melting pots basically in the meeting and then uh, we see what comes up and what we think's the best. So... Yeah, I've made notes already a week before. So there's there's a lot of preparation goes into it. We'll obviously see what the weekend's games are, but you already know United are playing Arsenal. Uh, Everton are playing West Ham. Both of them are thinking the bottom three or the, I think right now. So you know that weekend for those two. Liverpool are playing Chelsea, but that's on BT Sport, so we can only use a minute of the coverage. So that'll probably get less prominence. But you'd probably have to do something big on whatever team lost. I think so. You already know through the nature of the show that you're probably going to hit those three games and maybe one other. 
Yeah, and then just like just because I'm a bit of a nerd, like how does like you know your like notes processed? What do you what do you, do you like write it down or do you use like your notes on your phone or? Yeah, like, I just put only bullet points. Yeah, you know the big the big bullet points of like I put them in my phone so I don't forget. But on the day I'll be on my iPad and I'll be writing all the stuff down on my iPad and ideas and what what we're doing and, and different clips and and then obviously you got to watch the games over the weekends and you know try and get the clip. So I look on there, I go on White Scout. And different places, just trying to find things that other people haven't found, basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of the stuff that you just, you just cover is just like, I think it like breaks it down to like a molecular level, which is like obviously as like you and Gary as former players, you you can give that insight and you can you can you can give give the viewer obviously like a a point of view that someone might not have thought of, and I think that's why people really enjoy it because it's like well. You haven't like we haven't thought about it in that way. Like, how's the defender feeling in this moment when the ball's played through, etc. Like the whole Rashford thing, like with um, the City game. Like that's just, I mean, yeah, that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like just quickly then. So on like Sky Sports, like obviously with Gary and stuff. I just thought like I'd ask you about. I mean, I touched on Thierry Henry before. Like, how do you think? How does it feel like when you're doing Sky compared to CBS? Because I feel like just personally that when you're doing the CBS stuff. I don't know. You're having like a laugh. Like it seems like really yeah. like lighthearted. Like you, uh, is it Kate? Is it that hosts? Kate um, Abdul, yeah. Yeah. How how does it how does it differ? Do you feel like you can be like more yourself on not like not more yourself, but like can you you can have more like there's more license with it with CBS than Sky Sports. Yeah, I think I think it's American basically. That's how they do their shows. So it's not just those. You know, say, people say I'm more relaxed. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's where if we were doing that on a Super Sunday, you know, I think yeah, it's on in America. It's almost like an entertainment show as well as the football. You know, we try to basically, me and Gary have a bit of a laugh on Monday Night Football, certainly towards the end of the show. So that's what CBS is like. We have a laugh at the games, you know, before the games, obviously a serious chat. But uh, but people say, oh, it shows that we're, we're doing a good show. Everyone always says, we want this on and, in England, instead of a BT Sports Champions League coverage, so you know it's going down well. But I'm not sure it would work in England, uh, to be honest, because I think we're probably a little bit more serious about our football yeah. than maybe they are in America. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I just love like when you do like the quizzes and stuff, and um, what was it like a uh, arm wrestle? Um, that yeah. was just honestly, that was just like proper, <laughs> proper gold. Like that is just absolutely. And I mean, I know what you mean, like because like they're, I don't know, it's not their main sport. You can you can have a bit more license with it, but I think yeah. like just out from the outside looking in, from the UK to the America, like those shows just look, yeah, amazing. Oh to yeah, do. we have a theme. It's, it's it's a good sort of contrast for me to be honest, because I obviously do that on a Tuesday and a Wednesday, and a lot of time I've done Monday night football. And um, when you've done Monday night football, you feel like you've played a game. Your head's just frazzled afterwards and in the yeah. morning, your life all over the place. And uh, it's nice to just go there and probably not be as analytical, if you like, and probably just enjoy yourself a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, like I said, it's hilarious. Um, but just like, I mean, last like five minutes or so, if you've got time, I just thought we'd talk about um, the dreaded this season a little bit. Um I mean, yeah, we've, but before, actually, before we get that, I just wanted to ask about, like, so before, like, Klopp came in and stuff, we've had, like, an amazing ride, like, since Klopp came in, like, to 2015. Like, what have, what have you made of it, like, generally? Like, it's been amazing, hasn't it? It's been unbelievable. And, you know, the job he's done, 
he's a legendary figure in the club's history now, no matter what happens over the next sort of two or three years. He's had the effect, I think, that sort of Bill Shankly had on the club. You know, where you sort of, I wouldn't say obviously we weren't in the second division or nothing like that. We were a huge club, but I think a lot of people had looked at us and thought they'd seen us off. You know, we, we couldn't really qualify for the Champions League. And then Klopp comes in and just transforms the club. We've been in the Champions League every year. That, if I'm being honest, I, I worry about that this season. I don't think we will get it. But, you know, if you'd have said when Klopp came out, we'd, we'd miss out on Champions League qualification once in the next seven or eight years. I think we'd all been delighted because I think we'd been in it once in the seven or eight years before. So, yeah, it's uh, his personality, the football, the players. He's just he's just completely revolutionised the club. You know, he's, he's took that monkey off our back of, you know, the league title. And, well, three Champions League finals in five years, that's, that's some going. You know, considering, you know, he hasn't had the funds of a Chelsea, a Man United and a City. So, it's a remarkable job he's done. Yeah, I mean, I think like social media doesn't, it's great in ways, but I think like it makes, I don't know, like the demands, uh, like you, you need to be great all the time. And obviously the fans are replying to like all kinds of tweets, like saying, oh, sign this midfielder, sign this midfielder. And obviously there's loads of issues. And I mean, we, like I said earlier at the start of the show, we could take, I could speak to you for like three hours on like obviously all the stuff that we could touch on. But I just thought I'd try and keep it as positive as possible. Um, just on injuries, so like Jota is is due back in two weeks, hopefully. Uh, Van Dijk and Firmino maybe not too long after that, hopefully. And then you've got Diaz coming back uh, March. Um, D- um, Nunes obviously missed the last game. I don't know if he'll be ready for Wolves, but I'm, I'm assuming he'll be ready for Chelsea. But who do you think out of those will will help us more? Because I think losing Van Dijk doesn't help, but I just feel like there's a lot of issues and... Um, but which which of those do you think will help us most when they come well, back? I mean, I, I think I think Nunes was a massive miss at Brighton. Yeah, I think uh, of late we've been playing in in basketball games. It's been end to end. The Brighton game we just got battered. You know, we've never looked like scoring. And the thing with Nunes, I know, I know he misses a few chances, but you always feel like something's going to happen. And there was absolutely nothing happening at all at Brighton. So right now, I want Nunes back as soon as possible. And listen, all of the players are important. Van Dijk, of course. Uh, you know, the attacking players, we've got no real options from the bench to really change it too much at the uh, the top end of the pitch, really. But I sort even though he's only been out for one game and he's had a little bit of stick, but I, I think he's had a really good season, Nunes. And uh, I think he could get like another 10 goals or so from now to the end of the season. I think he should be really uh, pleased with the, you know, the first season that he's had. Yeah, I think there was a... I definitely agree. I think there's a few moments in the Brighton game where, obviously, Gakpo's second game, it's it's a di- and he's a different player to Nunes. But there was a few times where it was Gakpo up against like the last defender, and I think if Nunes was there, they yeah. wouldn't have been as inclined to leave just one back to leave it one on one. They yeah, would have probably yeah. had two or three, giving us a bit more space. And I think you've mentioned before, like Captain Chaos, and he is that, isn't he? Like ten goals and three he's assists. Just mad, isn't he? I think we all love him, don't we? I support, and the fact that he gets a little bit of stick outside makes you love him even more from a Liverpool point of view. But uh, he is a player who will miss chances. But if he just ups his ratio by sort of 10 or 15%, you'll have a goal machine because I've never seen a striker get so many chances in my life. And a lot of them he, he creates himself just with his power and his pace. And uh, no, I, I think we could have something pretty special on our hands. 
Yeah, I think if you look at the stats like in Premier League history, only Fowler, Sturridge, Torres, Salah and Jota have got to 10 goals faster. That's from Mike Reid and Opta, which is it's not bad company to be to be in, is it really, considering like the amount of great players. team aren't playing well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that, that. I mean that makes it, if anything, that makes it better, isn't it? Like the, the fact that like Jota came in when we were doing well. Uh, same, I mean Salad as well. Like I mean the amount yeah. of goals he scored, just incredible. Um, but like just just quickly on like injuries then, because obviously like when we lost like the back line in like the COVID season, if you like, um, we got absolutely decimated. Like Van Dijk getting injured, Gomez getting injured, and outfit like it seems to be like in blocks. Like we get loads of defensive injuries, but now it seems like we're getting loads of like attacking injuries. Like do you, what, do you put that down to anything, or do you, is it just is it just no? That, just that's just freak in terms of them all being in one position. I think that's just unlucky. Obviously, there is a problem with injuries at the moment. That's been a big problem for us, and that's why a lot of the time the same players are playing week in week out and. And they're finding it tough, and a lot of the criticism, especially around the midfield, because it's, it's an obvious one. But I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't want to be critical of the actual individual players because, you know, they're playing too much. And the reason they're playing too much is there's so many injuries, so the Jürgen Klopp keeps putting them out, you know, and they're probably all three of them at an age now where they probably don't want to play with each other in some ways. When you, when you get to a certain age, you don't want to be playing with someone else who's that age. You want to be playing with someone younger, yeah. you know, and uh, you know, really, Liverpool shouldn't be going into into week in week out now in the Premier League with the midfield of Thiago, Fabinho, and Henderson because, as I said, they're not coming to the end of the career. But when you play all three of them together, they're all in a similar stage of the career, which is a uh, is probably not healthy for all of them really. And again, I wouldn't have a go at any of them. The uh, you know we we haven't recruited well enough. We haven't brought midfield players in the summer. Whether that's down to the owners' recruitment. Jürgen and Pep, I don't know, but you know they've uh, you know they found it tough in there. But I actually, feel a little bit sorry for them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you look, you can look at it two ways. Like there's twenty, there's twenty games left, so 60, 60 points to play for. So there's a long way to go. But like you said, the Brighton game, that was like one of the lowest. Like watching a game, um, just like there's no way we're getting back into this game. Like you, you just knew. As soon as as soon as it started, as soon as they got the first goal, I mean, and in previous seasons, like if that's happened, we knew that we'd find a way because we've got the quality, we've got the tenacity, and and now we just haven't got it. But yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that that's the fear for the top four because it's it's not Liverpool. You know, we're not stupid. It's not just the results, it's the performances. You know, so when you look at performances like that, we've seen a few of them this season actually got away with it at different times. We've we've been. Given a hide in a couple of times, I think a Napoli away and Old Trafford away. Fulham wasn't great on the first game of the season. Arsenal, you know, you just the teams are overpowering you, not running yet. And that's a. Uh, I don't see how that massively changed. I think we all felt it changed after the World Cup, you know, because we'd had a break, the team had gone to Dubai. You almost see the old Liverpool again. And the fact that it's been exactly the same, I just think it's going to be tough for the, for the lads and Jürgen to almost get something different. I think he. He probably has to try something different. Now, he did for a spell when 4 4 2, whether he does that. Different personnel. I'm not sure he can play that midfield three too often going forward now in, in any sort of game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think there's something needs to change to try and sort of spark something. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Chelsea on uh, the weekend, ninth versus tenth. I think if you said that to anyone at the start of the season, you'd just we would have laughed in the face, wouldn't you? But yeah, it's just been a crazy one. But um, I just thought we'd like just just quickly like ask you about Everton because I mean, we, 
the way they're going at the minute, I would I would have loved us to be doing well just so we could laugh them a little bit more. But what what have you made of all the stuff going on over there? Because it's I mean it's not I mean like I said, there's still twenty games, there's still twenty games left. There's plenty of time for it to change. But like them not them getting beat by Southampton, like all of the scenes after where the players are getting chased like in the cars, and it's I mean it's not it's not great. But what what have you made of it all over there? Yeah, I mean. I thought it'd be a tough season for them on the back of losing with Charles. I, I, I still didn't think Everton would go down, and I don't think, you know, Everton are probably. I think the joint bottom now with Southampton, but I don't think Everton have got the worst set of players in the league. I don't believe that for, for any minute. Uh, I don't think they, they should be in a better position than what they are. I know they struggled to score goals and Calvert Lewin and stuff like that, but but Everton should never be in a position like that. The fans are frustrated, obviously. You know, they're not happy and every fan base has a few idiots, of course they do. So, uh, you see certain supporters and listen, that's what social media is now. And I don't really like that in that, you know, that one-upmanship about, oh, your fan did this and our fan, you, you chanted this, we threw that, you said this, you did this. Like, every every set of supporters has got idiots who, who cross the line and do silly things at times. So I wouldn't have a go with the Edmonton fans for that. And uh, I can understand the frustration. And yeah, I, I I don't mind seeing Everton lose games. I'll be honest with you, but I don't think I'd want them to go down. Just for the city, the fact they're going into that new stadium, I think it'd be great for the city as well. And I'm proud of the fact that we've 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 had two uh, well, our two clubs in the city have been ever present in the Premier League. I'm not sure any other city can say that. Probably besides London. Uh, yeah. with, with Tottenham and Arsenal, but you know, you think of obviously up the northeast, even Manchester, I think City were, were down a few years ago. Birmingham, obviously Villa and uh, Birmingham up, go up and down. So the fact we've had two Premier League clubs, I'd like to keep that. And I'd also miss the Merseyside derbies. I love those games. So yeah, I want them to, uh, I wanted to go to the wire. I wanted to be hairy for them, but uh, <laughs> I'd like Everton to stay. Yeah, uh, I know it's, You're I mean, so sure. I mean, I, I mean, just because few mates that I would just love it, just, just, just once, just so because I've had a few like because they had stuff that they can oh, say. Oh, back. Almost, you're almost want to make a deal where you just go down for a season. Yeah, and exactly. You, and you come back. Just because, like, just I remember, like being at school and like they'd have less and less to say. Obviously, the, the games that you were playing in, and we'd, we'd, we'd have quite. We'd win quite a lot, and then I remember like one lad said, like, "Oh, but at least we've we haven't." been relegated from the Premier League and I was like I've remembered that for like probably like 15 years and I'm like I just wanted to happen <laughs> just so he hasn't got fucking something to say anymore yeah, you know yeah. what I mean um, but yeah Jamie we'll leave it there really really do appreciate you taking the time to to um, to jump on with me today it's been an absolute pleasure and, and a, like a a tick in one of those like boxes of like getting one of your one of your idols on, on the podcast so I really do appreciate you taking the time thank you alright cheers Mick thank you no worries. Um, yeah, nice one, everyone, for listening, and uh, we'll see you all very soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.